if that was all that we knew of this passage, we would probably find this deeply unsettling. Abraham is at a place, uh, this is the end of the narrative that we hear about Abraham, chapter 22 in Genesis. We don't know a whole lot about his life beyond this. Uh, We get a few more details after this, but this is really what is known in Scripture as his capstone faith moment. And uh, as we would go back to Genesis 12 and see at the very beginning uh, that uh, God called Abram uh, to go out from your country, and he went, in verse 3 we see uh, simple obedience. Uh, Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. He just, so Abraham did, and that's one of the themes of his life. I want to ask you this morning, uh, is there anybody that comes to mind who simply made you better? Anybody who comes to mind? A teacher, a coach, a family member, somebody who invested you, right? Um, Wow, you think about that person, and you probably can't, to this day, say this is exactly how that person did it. Probably can't go back and say, boy, that person did this and this and this, and I remember the exact timeline, and you put all the details together. It just happened. Maybe over a series of years, you were on a, a sports team or in a class or a series of weeks or months, and that person was just in your life, or maybe it was a family member, so you had a longer-term relationship with that person, and it just sort of happened. I want us to see that today as we walk through this story about Abraham In many ways, his walking in faith resulted in him growing in faith, and God just did it. He probably couldn't say, here's exactly what God did, because he couldn't see the big picture, he couldn't see all that. But what I want to start us off today with and to touch on in this first eight verses, in this, the way the story is set up, is that God can challenge our faith, and he can do it in sometimes dreadful ways, things that really make us fear. God, why would you call me to walk this path? Abraham might well have asked, why am I supposed to do this? Why this specific thing right now? I don't want you to miss verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. I want us to have a realistic view of walking in faith where things don't happen perfectly. They don't just sail smoothly along. We don't just have this expectation that because we believe in Jesus, everything's going to just be alright and nothing bad will ever happen. That is not true. God will bring times of testing into our lives. As you think about Abraham walking to this place with some others that were accompanying him and Isaac, uh, you have to be challenged uh, by the dread of thinking about what would happen. I want to challenge you to think about Isaac's age. I don't believe, based on the way this is written and the framework that we have, that Isaac is a little boy. He is carrying the wood For the sacrifice, he is bearing this strength. He is at least a teenager, and his obedience, as much as Abraham's, is on the page in this. But we see the test of Abraham. We know Isaac would be included. I want to 
So here, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, the writer of Hebrews reaffirms that. I want to see in James 1, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. On and on we could go with these. God allows testing. And I want you to be aware that we have an enemy that wants us to fail the test. You see the parable of the sower, different types of seeds going into uh, the, or the seed going into different types of ground. Jesus gives us this illustration. What was sown on the rocky ground is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Woohoo! But he has no root in himself, endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. We would say that's not a good result. We want to see a longer lasting, a deeper faith, a faith like Abraham's, which has come through many trials, sins, uh, things up to this point we'll talk about throughout the morning. But we have an enemy that wants us to wither. And I wanted to draw you in the beginning of this into that place where God will test us and He will use events in our lives to shape our character. And to work in us. And you may say, well, how is it then that, that I, can, I can avoid what I see on the screen? I want a lasting faith. I want to see God's work in power. I want to stay with Him. I want to be at Pelham. Well, uh, the same way here, uh, what you see is the one who heard what? The Word. I want to show you that the Word is central to this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, verse 2, take your son, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there. Abraham has the word of God. This is a huge Genesis theme. Huge Bible theme. Characters who aren't entirely certain, but they hear the voice, they hear the word of God, and they trust it as enough. How do you walk through a time of trial? How do you walk through the test? You don't do it by shutting yourself out from God's voice. You allow God's voice to shape you. You say, Lord, I want to try to be obedient. This is the type of amazing faith that develops. We're going to have this theme throughout our three parts this morning. Amazing faith. I hope your hearts are are beating and challenged that, yes, every single one of us in this room can experience amazing faith, real faith in God, where He does things and leads us in ways, but we'll never do it without the simple exchange of having the Word of God. We'll never have an amazing faith that doesn't rely on knowing what God says and being obedient, even in that time of dread, even when we're called to do things we never thought or never want to. Stay tuned. We'll see how this develops. But we'll start in that place of dread, and we'll see Abraham walking in faith and God's provision. We left off in verse 8, before Derek read that, uh, that portion, and it said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. 
That was Abraham's faith. God will provide. And you uh, may have scratched your head at the end of verse 8 and said, Lord, how are you going to do this? Would God really provide? The answer is, uh, yes, He would provide. And I want to make sure we have a good framework of what is happening here today. Uh, This is a passage we talked about how God can test us and how He can challenge our faith. The, The point of what is happening here is the development of Abraham's faith. We are seeing him grow. And we are seeing God do that by the means of this particular challenge that he gave to Abraham. You may wonder, is God encouraging child sacrifice? The answer is no. That is against his will. We see that throughout the rest of the law. He is encouraging the faith and the growth of Abraham. Let me ask you that. What is more impressive in this passage? Is it Abraham's obedience, or is it God's provision? Let that rattle around for just a couple of minutes. Is it Abraham's obedience, or is it God's provision? Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him. We see verse 9, and we settle in, and we think of this place. Somewhere in the region of Moriah, the place that God had told him. He begins to make plans to carry out what God had asked him to do. The place. One of the places that I remember very well in the development of my faith was way back in 2001... I and several other adults from our church led a youth missions trip to West Virginia. And it was a great experience, Uh, usually at least on an annual basis. Uh, We go on 77 South, just south of Charleston, West Virginia, if you've ever been in that section. And you get down there, and a couple of you are smiling. You were on that trip, and I love it. Uh, Amazing, amazing uh, time. I don't remember that time and that place because of how great we were. There were 400 people that came from all over the country to that place in West Virginia to go out and help people uh, who had uh, been victimized by flooding. And I don't remember that because of how great we were. I remember that week because of how God moved among us. Think about those times. Think about those places. Maybe it's a camp. Maybe it's a specific trip. Maybe it's somewhere here in this church or this building. And you're going to have a place in mind that you remember in a really healthy way because you knew that God was working. Was that place about your obedience? Or was that place about God's work? This is key to understanding how to relate to God. We know that God intervenes. Instead of allowing Abraham to carry out what he had called him to do, God intervenes, but the angel of the Lord, verse 11, uh, called Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Here's that, that voice again. Abraham just responding to the voice of God. Don't lay your hand on the boy. I see that you fear God. You've not withheld your son. What happens? What do they call the place? They call the place Abraham's obedience. They call the place Isaac's willingness, his participation, right? Pastor, you got a different translation than the one I heard? (laughs) No, I don't. They didn't call it that. 
they called it, the Lord will provide. Now, I'm not pitting Abraham and Isaac against God. The obedience we see in these characters is phenomenal. Uh, It inspires us. It should. We should want to obey to the point of giving life, if that's what's necessary. We should want to obey. But how that happens is where we often go awry in our thinking. Sometimes people will try to come to God and say, I'm going to have this great relationship with God because I'm going to impress Him so much with everything that I can do. That's natural. Our world works that way where if we perform, we get a good grade. If we do well at our job, we get a promotion. A lot of times those are the natural flow of things and those things happen. In God's economy of having a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't work that way. There is no work that we can bring that will impress God enough. It is about His provision. It is about His sacrifice. It's not about the sacrifices we make that impress God. It's about the provision that God makes for us. Nobody's faith will amaze us who isn't walking in obedience, but we have to see that it's in response to the provision. So here we go. God's provision will always transcend our obedience. And I want to take you to Jesus on this because this is the way we relate to God. This is the gospel message. This is the best news you'll ever hear in your life, even if you've heard it a thousand times before. Is that the way to relate to God, the way to have forgiveness, the way to have eternal life forever in heaven, is not because we are obedient. It is because Christ was obedient and He was provided as a perfect sacrifice. It is the gospel message. I want to take you to Hebrews 10. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a football, or fuffable, <laughs> that was last week, a footstool for His feet. One sacrifice offered by the perfect Son of God who left heaven and the glory there to come to this earth and sacrifice for you and for me. That is powerful. And that's the way that God does it. Now, does that mean that we're off the hook? Hey, I just say a prayer and believe in Jesus because He made the sacrifice. I can go on and do whatever I want to do? No. We continue to be challenged in our obedience that it is difficult. He will lead us through difficult times, difficult choices, challenges, dark times, challenging acts of obedience. All those things will come once we see His provision. Abraham and Sarah, throughout these chapters that we have studied, are the two characters that are walking in God's provision. And we can walk the same way. Once we're right with God because of our trust in Jesus, then we can hear this challenge and say, I need to deny myself. I need to daily take up my cross. I need to follow the Lord Jesus. I need to learn how to obey. God will help us do that. God helped Abraham and Sarah. But the amazing faith never happens because of human strength. It happens because of God's provision in establishing that relationship. It happens because of God's promises. And then it happens as the human uh, soul and will and deeds and actually the whole sum of who we are begins to get in line with what God is calling us to do. I hope 
that stirs you. I hope that has you excited to see uh, exactly what the challenge is for us and how that looks. That's what we see in Abraham and Isaac here in Genesis 22, and it's what we'll want to see in our lives. A few more thoughts as we uh, will look ahead uh, to do that. We're going to sing. We're going to take a break. Uh, We're going to pause and wait to see the end of this. I don't like it when things are over, especially good things. There's part of me that does not want to read the last part of Genesis 22. I don't want to bring this to an end, but God has good things uh, in store for us in this passage and the rest of our time today. I'm confident of that. So uh, let's enter in together to verse 15, and I'll read through the end of the chapter uh, to verse 24. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now after these things it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz, his firstborn, was his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Rumah, bore Teba, Geham, Tehash, and Makkah. 